Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to the La Liga Loden podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arker, a very happy Roman who, for the first time in as long as we can remember, at the very least, has seen two Catalan clubs straddle the top of La Liga. Barcelona and Girona, top of the table after two big wins, two goal fests, and it's been a goal fest in La Liga this weekend. I think we're averaging over three a game for all of the games this weekend. And that is because Real Madrid failed to make it another win, another perfect win of their first six match days, going down to Atletico Madrid. Roman, how are you? And that is where we will start after. I'm good, I'm good. It's been a good win weekend from a Barca perspective, of course. Uh, the comeback at the uh, US Compines was uh, incredible. And of course, um, seeing Atletico Madrid beat uh, Real Madrid I wouldn't say comfortably, but uh, with a pretty big scoreline, we could say nobody or very few, I think, expected uh, that outcome. Uh, can't complain, honestly. And also, we've had lots of goals in many other games of La Liga. So overall, I think it's been a, a fantastic La Liga weekend, not just for us, but for the neutral spectator who uh, have surely enjoyed plenty of goals. Yeah, absolutely. And we will start at the Metropolitano. Atletico Madrid running out 3-1 winners. Alvaro Morata with a brace, Antoine Griezmann scoring as well early on. Toni Kroos did pull one back at 2-0 down with a fantastic effort from outside of the box. But Atletico Madrid, yeah, blitzing early on. And then Real Madrid didn't really have a response um, for my money. They didn't quite manage to break Atletico Madrid down. What was your kind of take on the game and was there anything that really stood out to you, Roman? Well, first of all, I think what stood out the most was uh, Madrid's weakness at the back in those aerial balls, you know, because uh, we got two of those goals from from Morata and uh, then Griezmann also threw a header. So, I mean, all of them were really uh, crosses, which usually I think Madrid are a decent side at uh, being capable of, of repelling those, those sorts of opportunities, whereas in this game they were really... Uh, very unreliable. You can kind of tell they're they're missing out on Militao. He's definitely, I think, their best centre back. Even though Alaba and Rodiger are, of course, world class, but I think Militao at the moment is just a step ahead of them. And I think not having them him was definitely a big miss. And um, also, I guess I was surprised to 
to see Morata outperforming himself. He's received a lot of criticism lately. Well, I think during his career, we could say. But lately, especially, he's. I've been reading a lot of stuff from Atleti fans, including uh, saying that you know he's not the striker they need. They should sign someone else. And of course, for him to come here and score two goals is, is a massive boost of confidence and, and a massive result for Atletico Madrid, who are uh, back in the fight if they ever were uh, out of it. Because of course, they had poor results recently, which wasn't great. But uh, coming back and defeating Real Madrid like that is definitely a sign that they're going to be there and they're going to. Uh, try and win this title if they can. Yeah, Atletico Madrid did risk going 11 points behind Real Madrid if they'd been defeated tonight, but uh, those three points move them within five with a game in hand, so it really does make a significant difference, even at this early stage of the season. Um, you mentioned kind of the, the defensive weaknesses and uh, the real kind of, yeah, struggles to deal with those balls into the box. I thought Samuel Lino did a fantastic job. I mean, cutting into his weaker foot and providing an assist like that was really quite special. And beyond that, I think Alaba, yeah, he was he's obviously the starting defender with Militao normally, but just lost the ball two, three occasions. Really quite sort of strangely poor defending from him. But I think the defensive side of things can probably be fixed a little bit. I mean, you've got Rudiger, you've got um, you've got Alaba there, you've got Ferlon Mendy, Orfan and Garcia, and once Carvajal is back, as he should be um, in a week or so's time, then you can put together a decent defence there. But what for me is more concerning for Real Madrid is the fact that they looked so flat offensively, they really couldn't put together a pattern of play that kind of broke through this Atletico Madrid back line. And it was only really kind of crosses into the box or shots from distance that troubled Oblak and and yeah I wonder in terms of Bellingham do you think teams are starting to maybe work his movements out a bit so, or do you think this is just a, a quiet game basically? Well I mean I think Bellingham is, is good at being in the right place at the right time obviously I'm sure that uh, many uh, coaches are, are looking into his uh, specific positions and movements to try and, uh, and tackle the fact that he's capable of getting really important goals but um, I just think overall you could kind of feel like Real Madrid have been winning, but they haven't been absolutely convincing, you know. I mean, if you look at the results in the end, uh, they beat Union Berlin 1-0, they beat Real Sociedad 2-1, Getafe 2-1, Celta 1-0, always with these kind of late goals, always kind of like making the most of Bellingham's momentum, we could say. And it felt like at some point they were going to drop a point somewhere, and, and it happened here against Atletico Madrid, so I mean... They're definitely um, missing out, I think, on, on a proper number nine. That's something we're going to keep on saying, I think, unless Bellingham does score 30 goals and, and shuts me up, you know. But uh, if that doesn't happen, I think it's it's something that really Madrid are going to really have to think about. Maybe in the winter transfer market, I don't know. We know that Joselu is a decent, I mean, striker for La Liga. But if you want to compete bigger titles like the Champions League, etc., I'm not sure that's enough. And as, as I said in, in the previous episode, if Bellingham um, stops getting those goals, there's going to be a bit of a problem. Although it's good to know that they're going to have Benitez back because I think he is very important. He He's very capable of, you know, maybe uh, providing what Madrid were missing in this game. You were saying they were shooting from outside the box, you know, crossing it with Benitez. Maybe they'll have an extra bit of penetration there. They have the capability to to overlap those defenders and, and, and generate more danger for sure. So they're really going to... Um, want to have him back but at the moment uh, there's something missing in in this team and you can feel like it's going to be t a tough season for them uh, at the moment 
Yeah, I thought it was a, a curious choice from Ancelotti to drop Hostelou for this match and go with Bellingham and Rodrigo up front because in that sense he was kind of changing a, a working formula even if, as you say, it's been kind of very tight wins. Um, Vinicius should be back. He's recovered from his actual muscle injury. He was out with illness for the Madrid derby. But we've got to move on to Atletico Madrid because we've got to give them the credit where they deserve it. I mean, they were missing a lot of players through injury as well. Pablo Barrios was out, Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, we know Thomas Lamar is going to be out for quite some time too. And, and the team that, as we mentioned previously, has lost Carrasco. Defensively, I thought, even if they weren't necessarily watertight, Savic, Jimenez, Hermoso, they really looked as good as they have done in quite some time. And the one player that I really want to highlight is Saul, who looks like the Saul of old. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one thing we can definitely talk about today regarding Atletico Madrid is that they defended like we used to know them defending, you know, a team that's really tightly knit at the back, that's really uh, tough to get past. And I think uh, we saw uh, an older version of Atletico in that sense, you know, because everyone talks about Atletico being capable of scoring lots of goals. Now they're a team that are very offensive, that can score, and they kind of lost a bit of that uh, defensive prowess they used to show. Whereas in this game, I think they combined everything quite perfectly, you know. They were good in the counter-attack, they were getting those goals up front, but then defensively, they shut Real Madrid down very well, as you, as we mentioned a couple of times. Long shots were uh, their main source of, of their only goal and of their opportunities. And in the end, I think uh, Cholo Simeone and the players, of course, uh, deserve a lot of credit because... Uh, they left every single drop of sweat they had on the field. And yeah, I mean, Saul also had a fantastic game with a great assist uh, in the second half. So, I mean, overall, I think Atletico uh, had a fantastic performance. And the kind of performance they need if they want to show that they're a team capable of fighting for important things. Yeah, following the Valencia loss and obviously the draw against Lazio in that last minute allows them to say that the Lazio one was a kind of freak of nature event, goalkeeper scoring against them, and the Valencia one was just merely an off day putting in a performance like that, provided they can get the win uh, next time out. We're going to move on, leave the Madrid derby behind there. Um, I will, again, side note, Griezmann was great again because it's his, <laughs> it's his year, 2023. He's just been absolutely magnificent. But we're going to move on to another really significant result and perhaps not the game that we expected to be going to, but it was a really big kind of early relegation six-pointer this one. Las Palmas beat Granada 1-0 at home. Their first goal from open play uh, all season and their first win of the season. Mika Marmal got sent off with about an hour gone through the game, but Kirian Rodriguez came up with an absolutely stunning strike in the 92nd minute to really kind of send Gran Canaria into a frenzy. Kirian should be uh, noted that that's his first goal, I think, since he recovered from battle a battle with cancer, and it's his first goal in Primera. So really kind of nice storyline there for, for Las Palmas and Kirian Rodriguez. Um, it leaves them out of the relegation zone now onto five points in Granada. Worst defensive record in the division by distance now. They've conceded 17 goals, just one win, five defeats. Paco Lopez is going to have to really work out a way to button down the hatches here, isn't he, Roman? Yeah, as a matter of fact, when, when the referee blew the final whistle, Paco Lopez's face was just uh, showing, like, I'm in deep trouble, you know, kind of thing where you could see his eyes. He wasn't like, didn't know where to look. He was kind of. Uh, very well it's not sad but you know his face was so 
so grim that it felt like uh, tough times are coming for Paco and for Granada. And I mean, his position is definitely uh, in the tight rope, you know. I mean, I'm not sure if he'll make it to the next game. I guess they might give him another opportunity, but he's really now treading uh, in d delicate territory. And Granada are really not performing up to standards, you know, playing against uh, 10 men for almost 45 minutes. Well, I mean, 30 minutes, at least half an hour. And not just being the worst team overall, but losing the game in the end. Uh, so it's a really tough blow. And on the other hand, I'm happy for, for Las Palmas. I'm happy for Garcia Pimienta because I think uh, Las Palmas have been playing good football, but they've just really been missing those goals. And I think it's still a problem, as a matter of fact. They did get a, a goal at the 92nd minute. They were one, one man down. They were fighting. They were trying to get those three points despite uh, having everything against them. But it does feel like there, there needs to be... Uh, reference uh, also like Real Madrid, a reference number nine, you know, who can uh, get those goals for them because I mean, you have Sandro, you have Munir, you have um, Sorry, but it feels like they're not the player that's going to give you maybe 15 goals a season to try and keep you up in the first division. So we'll see if one of them finally appears because um, it's not going to be every game that uh, Kirian scores a wonder goal like that, you know. So it's important for Las Palmas to try and change this trend. But they have been playing well for me, and I think they they've had des have deserved a win for a while now. So those three points are, are definitely important, because if not, if they'd drawn or maybe even lost, I think also, again, Garcia Pimienta, like Paco Lopez, would be in a very, very uh, complicated situation. But a uh, great result for one team and a very, very, very bad result for the other. Yeah, so much of football is confidence and as much as Las Palmas, I think, as you as you mentioned, they're not necessarily solved their problem of a lack of goal scorer, but they do at least now have that win there kind of off the bottom and they do have kind of broken that streak of not scoring from open play. Granada, yeah, Paco Lopez is going to need to do some work. But, I mean, we've, see, we've seen this with him with Levante. He plays an ambitious style of football. I wonder if he quite has as good a squad as he had with Levante. And if this Granada squad is good enough to, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of those sides. We did see him adjust at one point during his Levante spell. I think there was a stint towards the end of his uh, his kind of stint there where he really kind of adapted, made him play a bit more counter-attacking. So I wonder if we will see something a bit different from Granada going forward or if Paco Lopez will stick to his guns, which are, are guns that we do quite enjoy seeing as a general rule it should said. Now on to one of the goal fest games of the weekend, Real Sociedad with a 4-3 victory over Hatafe, a real ding-dong battle this one, it was it was very entertaining to watch. Real Sociedad took the lead after just two minutes for Take Kubo, who's been fantastic as we know, Carlos Alenia, then equalised before Borja Mayoral got a penalty in I think it was the 50th minute of the first half after time was added on. Oyarzabal responded with a penalty, Bryce Mendes on the score sheet. And at 4-2, uh, Oyarzaba made it 4-2 and really looks as if he'd sealed it. Juan Milatasa pulled one back in stoppage time, but Lareal held on as it was for the victory. And important, this one, Roman, because they'd relinquished two leads during the past two games against Real Madrid and then against Inter, despite being the better side. This time, they managed to get the job done. Yeah, they got uh, the job done. Uh, they did have to suffer a bit because Getafe, of course, uh, tried to get the win there and had their opportunities, but uh, I think overall, Real Sociedad, you know, um, for me, are are the better side overall. They played the better football. Um, they have been a bit irregular, we could say, this season so far, but uh, it kind of feels like they've lost also a bit of that maybe 
those defensive capacities, they were a team that usually they would just win one nil, you know, two nil, something like that. But now this feels like this season, uh, they're not as solid as the back. You know, they conceded three against Granada. They conceded, of course, now three against Getafe. I mean, it is an ideal, you know, uh, and it feels like maybe Arrasati has tried to focus the team more towards the, the the attacking aspect because also also they've signed a lot of interesting players and they have a lot of quality going forward so I can understand why they would want to reinforce that you've got Taki, uh, Kubo, you got uh, Bryce, you got uh, Oyarzabal back etc all the Baranechea playing super well this, uh, this season so far I mean you want to potentiate that you want to give them you know the, the tools to, to score goals as much as they can and maybe of course that uh, has the counterpart which is maybe losing a bit of that defensive um, solidity. So overall, I think it was a very entertaining game uh, for the neutral spectator. Plenty of goals. I have to see if Real Sociedad can build up on these wins or if they're still going to struggle because I mean they are playing well, but they're not being reliable in those def defensive aspects, and they're depending a lot on their players at, at in attack, which, as I said, I can kind of understand. Yes, it uh, Leno Man does not hit the heights that he did last season so far, and. I think Umar Sadiq still looks pretty rough around the edges. Oyar Thabal getting that brace is important because I think he's he's struggled a little bit in that central role up front, kind of on his own, even though Baranachea and Kubo have been very good. But that, that will give him a little bit of confidence. And just on Hitafe, I think Bordelas will be disappointed in his side conceding four goals, quite obviously. Uh, but pleased enough with the, the battling they, they showed. And... Uh, yeah, postscript for this one too. He's managed to convert Jose Angel Carmona, who debuted as a centre half for Sevilla, into a right-sided midfielder, which is is peak Bordelas and, and very much um, up his street. Now, Betis Cadiz didn't have as many goals, but it was a very entertaining game. It should be said, one-one. It finished. Guido Rodriguez scoring a brilliant kind of uh, swivelling kind of half, not even volley, just bouncing ball. Uh, into the corner of the net. That equalised an excellent looping header from Chris Ramos. But it was fantastic saves from Conan Ledesma that kept this game to such a low score. Gareth did have their chances as well, and I think a point is almost a fair result. Betis perhaps deserved it a little bit more, but this is a good result for Gareth again. And, and Betis, yeah, I mean, they, they've had a decent start to the season, but again, they, they were kind of riding that Isco momentum a little bit, maybe a little bit like uh, Real Madrid with. Bellingham and now it's kind of tailing off a, a touch so two wins two draws and two losses from their opening uh, six matches the same as Cadiz so so yeah I don't know if you had any particular thoughts on this one Roman well I have to say I'm kind of worried with Betty's situation because I mean at this stage of, of the season I know there's a long way to go but it isn't the kind of start you expect from them with uh, the kind of squad they have I mean it feels like Pellegrini is also running out of ideas in a way, you know, it's true that they were the dominant side, they did have 21 shots, 7 on target, they maybe did deserve another goal, uh, maybe a win, as you said, but it could have gone either way, to be honest. Ledesma, of course, is a fantastic goalkeeper, probably been, if not the best, one of the best goalkeepers so far this season for me, I mean, he's, he's really outperforming himself lately, and I mean, I can understand it was an easy game, but still, I feel like something more is required from this Betis, and if... Mm, Pellegrini doesn't get better results. I mean, we could be talking about uh, potential change. Of course, I'm, I'm maybe advancing too much. I mean, anything can happen still. It's, it's early on, only six games. But the feeling when you see them play is they're not as 
dominant than, as they maybe were in previous seasons against teams like Cadiz, for example. I mean, I kind of feel like uh, something's a bit off, but we'll have to see. And, and obviously, give him time. And Pellegrini, we all know, is a reference, uh, not just in, as a coach in La Liga, but uh, internationally. So uh, they definitely should trust him and not sack him at the moment. Yeah, I wonder if they're perhaps waiting a little bit for Ezabde and Lewis Enrique to really kind of catch fire this season because, yeah, I think I think one of the things that stood out for them last season and under Pellegrini in general is that when those games kind of came down to it, you could throw on Joaquin or you could trust Canales to get that kind of uh, open the defence, find that angle, find that kind of reverse pass. Whereas the Isco is... is kind of taking on the Canales role, but it really is a lot of responsibility. Canales was such a crucial part of that um, offensive kind of mechanism for Pellegrini. And to ask Isco to step in and straight in and do what Canales did is a lot, even though he has been impressive. So, so yeah, one to keep an eye on there with Betis. Now, moving on to the final game that was on Sunday, and then we will work our way back through uh, Saturday and Friday's fixtures. Villarreal drawing 1-1 with Rayo Vallecano. Kike Perez equalising straight after Alexander Surlot opened the scoring. Alberto Moreno sent off later on for Villarreal, but it was a pretty tight game, very kind of well contested between both sides, and Rayo pushed towards the end. They were perhaps a touch unfortunate not to end up getting the winner, but Pacheta, one win, one draw, one loss from his opening three games. Early early feelings from you on Pacheta, Roman? I'm not really digging Pacheta, to be honest. Uh, I, I was surprised at first with him being the chosen manager, I have to say it. We know that his record in La Liga isn't great, but of course you have to give, give him a chance. It's still early on, I mean, like I was saying that people didn't have to criticize Satine at the beginning, I don't think they have to criticize Pacheta uh, yet, but it's true that the first impact or the first feeling I'm getting from him isn't ideal, I mean... Uh, they did get a win right at the end against Almeria in the first game. Uh, against Panathinaikos, they clearly disappointed the team, was lacking intensity, was lacking passion, I don't know. Uh, I, was, I, w- I wouldn't blame Pachet exclusively, you know, I think it's also the fact that the players aren't maybe as motivated as they were this season. I don't know how to maybe explain this, this lack of intensity. And then here, they did look a bit better, but still, it uh, felt like... T- the game was never in their control. I think like Villarreal has the, the, the quality to, to have control of the ball, to have control of the game, to, to be capable of di- dictating how uh, the match uh, develops. But it isn't clear yet what Pacheta wants, what uh, the players are going to try and transmit through him. So, I mean, we'll have to give him some time. Obviously, it's still soon, but it's not the ideal start for a team to sack their managers so early on in the season and then bring another manager that doesn't completely fit in and if they have to change again halfway through, it, it could be really, really problematic. So hopefully uh, Pachita will turn things around for Villarreal because if not, it will look like a very complex uh, complex season for, for them because, as I said, changing managers all the time isn't good and um, they have a very good squad and they have to be up there. If not, it's, it's bad. It's really bad for, for the financial situation of the club and for the club itself. Yeah, just a couple of other things to note before we move on to... Part two of the show, Kike Perez started um, ahead of Oscar Trejo, it should be said, and since he picked up a muscle injury, I think it was in week three, he's been more or less missing from the starting lineup. Raul de Tomas did start, but 
Francisco seems to be flicking between De Tomas, Camejo, and even early on Randy and Teca as well. He doesn't. He's still kind of working out some of the kinks of this Rayo side, I think. And Unai Lopez was very good uh, in a kind of deeper role instead of playing as a replacement for Trejo. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a decent enough start for Rayo. But I still think Francisco has a, a few things to tinker with just before he hits on the winning formula. Um, and Alex Baena, who's just been fantastic. Four goal, uh, four assists and a goal in his opening six games. Even though Villarreal haven't been brilliant, he very much has been. In part two, we will get on to a very exciting game at Montjuic. Whether Roman was there, he can tell us all about it. Girona are perhaps the most exciting team in La Liga, so we have to delve into them as well. And a very entertaining Almeria Valencia that finished level. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to part two of the show. It's La Liga Lowdown. We're here with Roman de Arquer, who was present at the Estadi Olympique Luis Compange, where Barcelona beat Celta Vigo 3-2 in very unlikely circumstances. An eight-minute comeback mounted after Celta Vigo had gone 2-0 up through Jürgen Strand Larsen and then Anastasios Duvikas with just 15 minutes to go. Lewandowski drew one back from him after an excellent Joao Felix assist. He then got the second after a Cancelo assist and then Cancelo thundering into the box for the final uh, goal and the winner in this one, 3-2. I believe it's the first time that Barcelona have been losing um, with 81 minutes or more gone and by two goals and made a comeback in La Liga. So really historic stuff and an interesting game, Roman, because Barcelona weren't great to start with, were they? 
No, honestly, and uh, probably it was an undeserved result, let's be fair. I mean, Celta de Vigo uh, had a phenomenal game defensively. They left no spaces for Barcelona, uh, whether it was through the middle, through the wings. Uh, Barca were just incapable of, of finding their chances. They did get a couple of decent ones in the first half, but apart from that, it was all Celta de Vigo for me. In the counter-attack, they looked dangerous, they looked sharp. Uh, they got that goal through Strand Larsen and... Uh, you kind of felt like in the second half, you know, Barca would get their shot. Um, Ferran Torres did have a couple of of good opportunities in, in that second uh, half. But uh, but then, of course, Celta got that second goal and it felt like it was over. But what I liked was that uh, people, the atmosphere was good, you know, because people didn't kind of give up. They kept cheering. Of course, you have uh, the Grada Animación with where the people who are always constantly there celebrating. But the whole stadium itself kind of... Uh, tried to push the team forward and after the first goal came it was just getting more and more noisier people happier and more excited and the adrenaline levels were going up you know and, and it was pretty incredible to see the stadium um, so united with the team I'd say and in the end you said it uh, three goals in eight minutes was something uh, nobody would have ever expected the, the the feeling was was just was just amazing you know and, and being there in the stadium and seeing it in first person uh, you know, hugging your your friend next to you, uh, the excitement, uh, the hype—it was it was it was it was incredible. If you just asked me right after the game, maybe I would have been uh, shell shocked and with no words, and it would have been uh, much more difficult difficult to explain. But it's one of those things you you're lucky to live, you know, especially on on the pitch. And uh, it was it was an incredible comeback. But as I said before, for me, Celta de Vigo had a really good game. They did deserve more. I kind of feel like the 2-0 sometimes is a dangerous result because, you know, they were like hugging themselves like we did it, job done, you know, 15 minutes left of, of this uh, good defensive um, show we're putting on. And maybe they did relax a bit more. And then, of course, the changes helped a lot for Barca. But uh, it felt like uh, Celta had this game under absolute control. Yeah, you mentioned Celta there, and a very good performance. It was very much Rafa Benitez against a big team. We know that he is an expert at setting up teams to counter and at opening up that space and did expose a few holes in Barcelona's defence. And certainly Cancelo even said after the game, I'd completely lost my head. I was having a terrible game um, and I'm just glad that I managed to kind of pull it around and, and make those decisive contributions. Um, Celta slipping into the relegation zone here, just one win and one draw from their opening six games, four points and Benitez, we've mentioned it before, they're playing some alright football but just not quite getting the yeah. job done and it was noted by no shortage of people that as soon as Aspas went off in the 78th minute, three minutes before the Barcelona goal, Willie Swedberg had come on and everything kind of collapsed for Celta who were no longer able to get out, they struggled to, uh, to kind of yeah, really play out of their, their own half then. Uh, I want to pick up on, it was obviously the Joao's that will get the headlines, Lewandowski scored that brace too, but Oriol Romeo, two absolutely vital blocks in this match, which without it, Barcelona probably don't get back into it because um, mm -hmm. he, he really saved two goals with those and Ter Stegen had a very good game too, it should be noted. Was there anything else you wanted to kind of pick up on this? Because I know it's been a, an ongoing debate that Xavi perhaps isn't the tactical genius that Barcelona fans would like him to be. <laughs> they had two brilliant games scoring 10 goals in the previous two matches. Here, not quite so, so much, but then does he deserve credit for correcting things? None of this happens in a vacuum, does it, Roman? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can understand people criticize them, but again, uh, the problem is we're always comparing uh, the manager to other better managers we've had or, or top managers we've had and, and comparing the, the how the team plays to other uh, epic moments in the history of the club. So, I mean, comparisons are always odious in that sense, but I think Xavi does deserve credit. Also, we have to keep in mind, Xavi hasn't been a manager for too long. I mean, just a few years, you know, three, four years or whatever. So, I mean, he still is growing as a manager he still is learning I think uh, there are exceptional cases like Pep Guardiola who come in in the first year they're incredible masterminds but that's not the usual thing you know so I think uh, you can also see he's trying new stuff uh, lately he's been playing of course with Cancelo uh, going towards uh, the midfield and helping out there instead of opening up in the wing we saw the, that in that game he tried putting Rafinha more in a number 10 position we could say uh, behind the striker instead of putting him up in the wing so I mean Xavi is trying things he's taking risks and for example the Rafinha thing paid off because he gave a crucial pass for um, Cancelo to assist Lewandowski so of course he isn't a perfect manager he isn't the best manager we've had he's not Pe he's not Pep Guardiola sorry um, and he does need to find consistency in the football the team plays because it's something we've been seeing since he's been a manager where the team has moments of amazing football, but then again, there's moments where the team really lacks creativity, lacks capability to to um, bring down those those defenses. So, I mean, in the end, if you look at its numbers in the club, I think it, the the first uh, I think it was uh, 70 games or so he's played, or in La Liga or whatever, it was 50 wins, 10 draws, and and 10 defeats. So, I mean, in the end, those aren't bad numbers taking into account in which situation he came into the club with Barca going through all the struggles they are with all the problems to sign, to sell, etc. So given the circumstances, I think we can't complain and we have to obviously trust Xavi and, and see where he takes us. Yeah, I think the fact that he entered in such a state of flux means that it's always been quite hard to assess how good or bad a job Xavi is doing because he came in with a team that was really on the rocks and, and lacking quality and he's got a lot more quality now. Barcelona obviously invested heavily the previous summer but even now, again, you look and Cancelo, Joao Felix, Gundogan, um, Uriol Romeo too, if you consider them all starters, then that's four new starters to incorporate to a shift of system as well if it looks as if they will play with that 4-3-3. So it, it is a very kind of, again, changing situation for Barcelona who, who yeah, looked perhaps a little shakier than we've seen them, especially since that international break, but ultimately showed that they have the quality to, to turn things around and Good for them that Lewandowski is scoring again because I think that was one of the chief worries. <laughs> one team that has absolutely no trouble scoring at all is Girona, who, who have just been on fire. I mean, they are top of the table with Barcelona level on points. It's only goal difference by goal. They both scored 16. Girona have conceded seven. Barcelona have only conceded six. But it should be said that they probably not played any of the real top half sides apart from... Real Sociedad and, and Sevilla you can, you can count or not but a 5-3 win over Real Mallorca Abdon Prats got two goals kind of in garbage time as they say in the US and Verat Morici had opened the scoring but from between those kind of goals the 84 minute spell Girona were absolutely dominant David Lopez scored Dovbeck from the penalty spot Ivan Martin converting a brilliant Savio assist Yangel Herrera with a lovely finish and then Savio who for my mind is the revelation of this La Liga season so far scoring the fifth for Girona. I mean, what what can we say about Michel and this Girona side? They're just fantastic, aren't they? Just incredible. I mean, it's not just the way they play, but uh, how effective they are towards goal, 
uh, scoring so many, scoring even great goals, uh, even shifting players around the ones that come in, you know, they still uh, are the level required, still performing well. The signings have been really good. Sabio, as you said, has been a phenom phenomenal signing. I think he's a massive talent. So, I mean, they're also lucky to have found a player like him because it isn't easy to, to sign someone barely anyone had heard about and then suddenly just kill it like that, you know, in, in, in La Liga, in the top Spanish tier of football. And I was reading a very interesting stat saying that uh, all the teams that managed 16 out of 18 points uh, in the start of the season in La Liga, all of the teams managed to at least uh, finish in the top six and qualify for European positions at the end of the season. And 95% uh, of those teams, 42 out of 44, made it to the Champions League. So, I mean, of course, these are big words, but the way they're playing, the numbers they're getting are leading towards that. We'll have to see, as you said, how they perform against maybe tougher sides, even though they, they played against Real Sociedad, they played against Sevilla, that despite their situation, I think they are a tough team uh, to play against. Uh, we'll have to see how they uh, do against Real Madrid, Atletico, Barca, etc., etc. But I still think they're going to be a tough team to beat. You know, you kind of feel like the way they perform on the field, they have this confidence that uh, will take them... Uh, to be able to to fight against the stronger sides, maybe in the end they'll succumb. We'll see what happens, but it's incredible to see what Mitchell is doing with with his team, and hopefully um, we'll see Girona up high. And the statistics, is, sorry, the stats will actually back them up, and and they'll end in the Euro in in Europa League at the very least, which would be uh, incredible. Yes, uh, hats off to Michel and Girona, who are doing just fantastic work and probably the best side to watch in La Liga. Um, for my money right now and even though Mallorca we know they're not quite as good away from the island not many sides are going to put five past and have a side this season or, or in general so so yeah Michel and Girona long may this continue because because yeah while they're playing that entertaining style of football while they're entertaining fans quite like that so I think it's something that we all want to see on to Almeria Valencia 2-2 this finished and Almeria a point at home and they did manage to kind of rescue this result from going down initially but this wasn't the best result for Vicente Moreno who really needs to start picking up those wins just two draws from their opening six games they are rooted to the bottom of the table Valencia a decent enough point away I think Diego Lopez opened the scoring Sergio Arribas who has had a good start equalized Javi Higuera Javi Higuera Absolutely fantastic from him at the start of the season. Another goal um, of his and an, an excellent goal at that. And Sergio Arribas bagging the equaliser too. But frankly, it's getting a little worrying for Vicente Moreno. We mentioned this last weekend, didn't we, Roman? Yeah, yeah, you, we mentioned that. And of course, a draw at home isn't ideal. I mean, to be fair, Valencia is, is, is a tough side. I mean, they did beat Atletico Madrid 3-0 before that. I guess they have the better momentum. Uh, they are doing... Um, pretty good with the kids you know and they're sixth now in the standings in European position so of course uh, they're a tough team to beat and honestly maybe Almeria did deserve a bit more there I mean they were all over Valencia in terms of numbers with 17 shots 10 on target 62% position uh, more passes they were quite intense in that sense so maybe he did have the team doing what Vicente wanted them to do but in the end what what's important is the point is the goals they get in favour and against and in that aspect they they disappointed once again and a draw isn't great uh, they're obviously 
going to be fighting, I think, to avoid relegation. They're one of the candidates, uh, aside from the fact that they're last at the standings, but um, I don't see big changes. Even if a new manager comes in, I don't see him, you know, taking Almeria to the top, you know, or to the mid-table. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough, tough season again for Almeria. We'll have to see what they're capable of uh, and if they can react, because, as you said, Vicente Moreno is needing results ASAP or we'll probably be seeing someone else come in soon. Yes, uh, Sevilla away on Tuesday night for Almeria, which is uh, looming pretty large in Andalusia. Uh, moving on to the other side in that tie, Sevilla, 0-0 draw away to Osasuna. There wasn't huge amounts to comment on this. Both sides kind of had their chances, but uh, nothing special from, from either club in this sense. And another kind of tight draw between these two sides. They seem to put together quite a lot of them. They're pretty well matched in recent seasons. Um, and on Friday night, Athletic beat, Gary, uh, beat uh, Alaves in the Basque Derby, 2-0 away from home. And Yaki Williams with the opener, Oyan Sanset with the second. It was a very good performance by Nyaki again, who has had a very good start to this season. I don't know if you have anything in particular you want to mention about either of these two games, Roman? Well, in terms of uh, Sevilla's game, I am a bit worried, to be honest. Uh, I did say that uh, I, th I expect them to kind of bounce back and, and recover um, a better version of themselves. But in this game against Osasuna, they got a draw, which I guess isn't too bad because... For me, Osasuna had the better shots. I mean, there was a great opportunity where um, Chimi Avila hit the post and there were a couple of other opportunities where I think uh, Osasuna could have taken those three points and kept them at home. So we'll have to see if, if Mendilibar can react because also in Europe, uh, they didn't get a great result, we could say, against Lance with that 1-1 draw. Probably a bit more was expected uh, in that sense too. And uh, regarding Athletic Club's game, well the same, we could say, level as we're seeing him in this start of the season, playing really well, uh, being re very reliable. And you, said, you mentioned that Iñaki Williams is having a great start to the season, possibly his best start. I don't remember him uh, doing so well and, and being so important for the team uh, towards the start. Of course, he's been a reference striker for many years, but there's always like been this uh, these question marks whether Iñaki Williams is enough for Athletic Club, whether he can be a consistent striker for them and getting important goals and at the moment he's doing really well so let's see if he can keep it up till the end of the season which would be incredible for him and for the team. Yeah, Sevilla, Dodi Luca Bacario and Sergio Ramos are signings that I quite like but just one win in seven now for Mendilibar at the start of this season mm -hmm. and similarly you're going to want him to pick up some results before that international break rolls around. Barcelona are one of the three La Liga sides on the way with Almeria and Rayo Vallecano. We'll wrap the show up there because we do have uh, other things to get on to, much sleeping being one of them. Um, and I, I do want Roman to be well rested for his holiday because it's a holiday in Spain uh, or in Catalonia tomorrow. Um, so just coming on to the, the, do you have a moment of the week at all for us to get on to Roman? I will remind listeners that they can subscribe to us and become one of our premium listeners and you will be uh, justly rewarded with excellent written content and another podcast on Thursdays as a general rule. So, so yeah, please do subscribe to us. Roman, uh, as we finish up, is there anything that really stood out to you? Can we tear you away from Montjuic or are we very no. much staying in the Stadio <laughs> Olympique? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, I never feel something like that at a stadium, honestly, and it was incredible. I mean, that comeback has to be 
the moment of the week for me was something I will never ever forget, honestly, and uh, hopefully I'll live many more moments like that. Yeah, if, if, if it was down to me, I think I, it's hard to, to make a decision that isn't Jose uh, Maria Jimenez's fantastic cynical foul on Rodrigo as he was breaking <laughs> away, just really kind of cleaned him out. Uruguay and didn't even bat an eyelid at it. It was it was very pleasing to the defender's eye, which which is my own. But uh, if I want to go for a moment of the week or a team of the week in my case, it has to be Girona because, yeah, I am very enthused by Girona, and that's not a word that I use uh, very often because it makes me seem a lot older than I am. <laughs> but uh, it is what Girona have me currently. It's a great pick. On that note. <laughs> on that note we will wrap things up my thanks to Roman for being with me and uh, putting up with my tattling thanks as always and my thanks to the listener for being with us and join us again on Thursday if you are a premium listener if not we will see you again on Monday and have a wonderful semana midweek semana with lots of La Liga fixtures